SMS SAFM now on 41391. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. And of course, those are the numbers to dial to get in touch with us. 011-714-2006. And of course, your voice notes on 061-410-4107. So on our health on Monday feature tonight, we're going to talk about whether South Africa suffers from the same denialism of COVID-19 that we saw when the AIDS pandemic came about. And we'll also be in conversation with Dr. Renee Sketterman. And she's of the view that at a time when the U.S. is experiencing one of the worst COVID-19 infection rates among wealthy nations, Americans could take some precautionary or cautionary lessons from South Africa, the nation that fared the worst during the HIV AIDS epidemic because of the many stumbles and mistakes of its different governments. Of course, HIV and COVID are quite different viruses and HIV is transmitted through the exchange of bodily fluid and is also stigmatized and COVID-19 is passed through small droplets in a person's breath and hasn't been tied to any sense of shame. But Despite these differences between the viruses, Dr. Skitterman feels that neglect and misinformation, more especially at the highest levels of government, is the one factor that has played out tragically in similar ways. And Dr. Renee Sketter joins us on the line. She's Associate Professor of Postcolonial and World Literature at the Georgia State University. Dr. Skitterman, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Yes, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'd just like us to make a, a, a comparison between the way the Thabo Mbeki government dealt with the HIV pandemic and uh, the denialism then, and also what is happening in America right now during the Donald Trump um, administration in terms of COVID-19. Yes, thank you so much. Um, I, I wrote this article because when I, I came back from South Africa, I was there on a Fulbright in 2019, and mm-hmm. I had been studying about denialism with the AIDS crisis, and I've been so struck by the comparisons that I can see happening in the behavior of Donald Trump. And so um, I looked back to think about what happened with AIDS, and uh, first of all, that it's the fact that it's, it broke all under the apartheid government and was given little attention. The Mandela Mm -hmm. government didn't really have the capabilities of dealing with it fully. And then, of course, Dabo Mbeki uh, used uh, his office as a bully pulpit to fan misinformation about the virus, um, insisting that it wasn't caused by, uh, HIV was not caused by AIDS and it was part of a neo-colonialist plot. And those kind of, um, that dissonance between reality and uh, these notions seem to really connect with what I saw happening on the ground in the United States. And I wrote the article because I thought most Americans know about South Africa's struggle with HIV, but they don't understand the history of denialism. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, I wanted to inform them of that. And I think that um, uh, what we can see with Donald Trump is that while he does acknowledge that COVID is happening, he doesn't acknowledge the severity in similar ways to what happened with Tabo and Becky. And so I felt it was a comparison worth making and uh, wanted to bring that to the public. Absolutely. And doctor, I think we're in both instances, we've seen both leaders actually defy science and what scientists are saying. And the unfortunate thing is in that denialism, 
people have lost their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, if you try to tally up all of the different um, things that Donald Trump has said over the past month, it's really quite astonishing. And it really does fly in the face of science, as you say. Um, his the kind of um, the kind of ideas that he's putting out there about the, I, the fact that uh, COVID, first of all, wouldn't enter the United States, and if it did, it would be washed away easily, that um, most people who get COVID only get a harmless case, and even saying that, for example, COVID would go away as soon as the elections were over. These are shocking statements that are absolutely not based in science. And so uh, most Americans, well, a good number of Americans, honestly, are really in complete disbelief that this is happening. And it, it makes me more sympathetic to what may have been happening for South Africans under Mbeki's rule. The astonishment as to what can happen when you don't have strong leadership at the top, when there's a vacuum of, of leadership in terms of providing scientific guidance for uh, its people. How is then, more especially in terms of the United States, when a leader is in denial about a pandemic, how does that then affect citizens on the ground? Do you find that they also grasp the same messaging? Well, yes. I think what's happening is that what you've got is people are really struggling with competing emotions. Mm -hmm. There is a commotion of dread as we see the numbers going up. Uh, We had... um, 2,000-plus cases yesterday, deaths, and we're struggling with that dread of seeing what's happening in our hospitals. Even here in Atlanta, where I'm based, they're opening up the convention center as an overflow. That's happening in many cities where we're running out of hospital space. So there's the dread around that. But there's also now this new enthusiasm and relief about the COVID vaccine that's coming into play. On the other hand, there's also a sense of carelessness and come what may during the holidays. And I think because people have these competing emotions, there's no one on top giving them guidance as to how they should prioritize those emotions. And therefore, there's a lot of uh, just careless behavior taking place on the part of the anti-maskers, and we do have a number of them, but also just regular people who don't have a strong opinion about, uh, about masking, but they're just not taking the precautions that they could. And so it's just a recipe for disaster. And the way it's unfolding, again, is, is beyond belief. We never would have imagined we could have been here nine months ago. Um, Doctor, I think, you know, you are describing the scenario in America. And although the difference is in South Africa, the messaging from um, the South African government has been quite strong. A lot of scientists, you know, um, consulted as well. But you still have people on the ground that just are not taking this seriously enough. I mean, um, you know, you there were some videos that were making the rounds on social media where young people are just packed in venues and they are just partying as if we're not in the midst of the pandemic. And we had actually the president coming on tonight and saying, listen, they are now tightening restrictions again on on COVID-19. How, how can we get the message to filter through to those that are still in denial that COVID-19 exists It's still affecting people. It's killing people. I just don't know. And that's a question that I'd like you to just answer after the break. 
SMS SAFM now on 41391. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. And uh, we'd like you to join this conversation. We are still um, joined on the line by Dr. Renee Scatterman, and she's based in Georgia in the U.S., and she's penned such an insightful piece on, uh, you know, the, the comparison in terms of how the Tabombeki government dealt with HIV and how the U.S. government has dealt with uh, COVID-19. And in both instances, the den- denialism of both leaders has led to many loss of lives when they could have intervened, when they could have listened to scientific advice, a lot of lives could have been spared. Dr. Renee Sketter, thank you, Skatterman, thank you so much for staying with us here on the line. Absolutely. So before the break, I was asking you the question and I said, in the instance of South Africa, there's been so much consultation with with scientists and uh, the government has really been hammering the message that we need to be wearing masks. We need to be adhering to COVID-19 protocols and you still get some people on the ground that just do not believe that this pandemic exists. And um, in actual fact, this actually puts other lives, you know, at risk. So how, how can we get the messaging through to them? What does it take for them to actually wake up? Yes, that is a very difficult question. And, and your your question actually fills me with a little sadness because I know that our president-elect Biden is going to have quite a task in front of him. Mm-hmm. But knowing that countries that are doing a strong response are still having this trouble is disconcerting. Um, one of the things that I might suggest, and this might sound very idealistic, is that one of, we have been lacking a global response. Um, so it would be really helpful if countries could come together more and, and unite. I think in some ways COVID is offering us an opportunity to realize how important it is to have a generosity of spirit, a sense of interconnectedness with one another. Um, the fact that COVID is so random, and also there is a generational aspect to it where it's the elderly and the uh, people with the pre-existing conditions that more are more at risk, though not that's not entirely true, doesn't mean that everyone is, is uh, going to be off the hook on this. Um, because it's that kind of a random um, virus, it's, it's hard to really understand it as a threat until it actually comes into your own door and you've, mm-hmm. you've experienced it in your own family. So I think people are not um, informed enough about, they don't see enough what's actually happening in the hospitals. I've often felt we should have cameras in those hospitals showing the mayhem that's happening there, the pathos that's occurring where people are dying in great numbers away from their family. Um, I, I come to this study as a literature scholar as opposed to a public health scholar. So one of the things that I look to is the way that writers are responding to it. And you may not know this, but a number of your writers in South Africa have already made efforts of putting out a collection of essays called Lockdown Corona Chronicles. So they're beginning to think about how can who can tell this story and how can storytelling actually help us to change opinions, to morph people into thinking out collectively about how we can work together to address this very real threat that is on our doorsteps.
Hmm. I was reading an article earlier, in fact, also hearing the WHO um, head, um, and he was saying that, you know, this will not be the last pandemic that we experience in our lifetime. And what I'd like to ask from you is, what can we take from this particular pandemic? What what are the lessons that we should learn in order to prepare us for future pandemics? Yeah, that is a that's a good question as well too. Um, one of the things that um, I, I I believe in is the power of comparative study. So, writing this article, it was um, driven by a desire to look at the two contexts and to see how you can examine striking differences between areas that have a real crucial commonality and what you can learn about um, both contexts and how you can see it in new ways. Um, Comparing COVID to AIDS, for example, what makes one realize how hard it is to change human behavior and how important it is to have consistent messages and clear action. Public health is very much dependent on collective attitudes. So I think we really need to drive home that idea about the importance of collective of public health, but also about how public health is not just about our bodies. It's about our minds and our attitudes and our feelings towards one another and our sense of responsibility to one another as well. Absolutely, Dr. Renee, such a powerful statement and such a powerful piece that you've also penned. We're going to share it with our listeners on our social media pages as well. It's titled South Africa's inability to honestly confront AIDS shows the dangers of America's COVID-19 denialism. Thank you so much for joining us this evening in South Africa. I don't know what part of the day you're in at the moment in Georgia. It's this afternoon. This afternoon Thank here. you very much and a good afternoon a to pl- you, Dr. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Um, Dr. Renee Scatterman will try and uh, share that link. And I think a lot of lessons to be learned. And today it just struck me how many people are actually in, in denial that there's COVID-19, that people are dying, that mortuaries are being packed to capacity, that the health system is strained. And a lot of us just, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Let's take a break.